Hey, it's great to be with you, and it's great to be with you talking about sexuality. But I guess many of us, when we've been singing just a few moments ago about the love of God, and we now hear that we're talking about sexuality, are thinking to ourselves, sexuality is the thing that most convinces me that God doesn't love me. Sexuality is the thing that most brings guilt into my life. Sexuality, what God says about sexuality is the one reason I'm not yet a Christian. Sexuality and the love of God seem to be, don't they, in our minds and hearts, divided. And what I want us to know today, what I want us to feel today, is that if we want to grasp the love of God for us in Christ, one of the best things we can do is look at the good gift of sexuality that God has gifted us with in creation. Sexuality, your sexuality, my sexuality, and all their complexity and all their difference and all their brokenness are one of the most beautiful gifts God has given his people to grasp how much we are loved by God in Christ. Now, that is a hard thing to hear, isn't it? Because so often that is not our experience. And everything I'm going to say today comes out of a lot of pain and a lot of confusion in my life and in other people's lives. Everything I'm going to say today was sort of kicked off by a discussion I had with a student I was mentoring 15 years ago. Like many people that I've mentored over the years, he was addicted to internet porn. And he saw his sexuality, he saw his sexual feelings as nothing but a curse from God because it had produced this addiction, this addiction that was as making him spiral into guilt and shame that seemed to be sort of separating him from other people, particularly the opposite sex. And he said to me in his pain and bitterness, why has God given me sexual feelings? Why has God given me sexual feelings that he says I can only use in a marriage to someone of the opposite sex? Why has God given me these desires that are pulling me apart? Why has God given me a sexuality? And then he said to me, why can't can't we just do a deal with God that instead of being given a sexuality, you know, uh, from sort of puberty onwards, why can't we do a deal with God that God sort of just zaps people with sexual feelings on their wedding day? He said, why can't there be an arrangement that, as it were, when the man and the woman meet at the front of a church, that's when God gives them sexual feelings because that's the time he says we can use them. Why has God given all his people sexual feelings when he says that only some of them can express them in the lifelong union of a man and a woman in marriage? Why can't God just zap me with a sexuality, with sexual feelings on my wedding day was the question this young man posed me in his pain, in his bitterness, in his grief. Sexuality just seemed to be a curse for him. He could only see that sexuality would be a good gift if, if he was married to somebody of the opposite sex. On that day, yeah, sexuality would be a good thing. But until that day... Sexual feelings just seemed to be a curse. Something had led him into a damaging addiction. Now, not what that young man didn't know at the time is that he was speaking to, to me who is gay. And as I listened into that conversation, I thought to myself, yeah, I get this. God seems to have given me sexual feelings. God seems to have given me a sexuality that he says to me in, in his word, I can never express in a sexual relationship with another man. What is he on? 
What is God on in giving me these really powerful desires to be united to another human being and then saying to me, you can never do that. What is God on in giving me these longings and saying, you're never going to be able to express them. What is God doing in making me regularly captivated by the beauty of another human being and then saying, do not go there. And I found myself speechless in front of this young man's bitterness and pain and unable to answer his very basic question. What is God doing in giving us the gift of sexuality, particularly giving those of us the gift of sexuality when he says we cannot express it because we're not married to somebody of the opposite sex. What is God doing? And so I just sat there in silence and I said I'd pray and I walked away and I wept because I thought I don't have an answer to the question. What is sexuality for? What is my sexuality for? as a same-sex attracted gay Christian man. What is it for? Well, I love reading. So I went away and read. I read my Bible. I read other books. And I kept being told that, that, that sex and sexual feelings are to lead human beings to marriage, to the, somebody of the opposite sex. Don't have to get far in the, in, in the Bible to, to, to come up with that idea. End of Genesis 2. First man meets the first woman and his sexual feelings for her draw them together. He, he, he sings a love song over them. They get married. They're united to each other. They have kids. Sexuality, sexual feelings clearly there to draw a husband to his wife, his wife to a husband for a lifelong union out of which kids come. Great, I thought. For those who can get married... For those who can have kids within marriage. But what about me? What about me? Well, I read on in my Bible and I discovered that that God's word is not embarrassed about the joy of sex, about the pleasure of sex in the union of a man and a woman. I read a book like Song of Songs and was blown away and slightly embarrassed by the language that is used in part of the Bible to describe the beauty of sexual love between a man and a woman, between a husband and his wife, wife and a husband. And I thought, great, good on you. But that's not for me, you say. I am banned from getting married to somebody of the same sex. And this celebration of sex in in, in the Bible just seems to be just rubbing it in. God being unfair to me, in saying, yeah, there's this great gift of sexuality, this great gift of sexual pleasure in the union of a husband and wife. But that's not for you. I found that as I read around the Bible and as I read around Christian authors, as I asked the question, what is sexuality for? What are my sexual feelings for? I just found the answers excluded me. And they made me feel bad. And they made me feel that God wasn't good in giving me sexual feelings, in giving me a desire for union, in giving me an appreciation of beauty in the human form.
And I found myself spiralling into bitterness towards God. Ever increasing levels of pain. Thinking, how can God be good and deny me a sexual relationship? How can God be good in giving me these sexual feelings and then saying, you're never to use them. You're never to express them. You're just to repress them. And then I read a couple of sentences in a book. And I don't know if you've ever been in a position of of just reading something that changed your life. Reading a, a a couple of verses from the Bible. Reading a poem. Reading a love letter. Reading a text that has changed your life. Let me read just two sentences from a book by the American pastor John Piper that changed my life. He wrote this. The ultimate reason, not the only one, why, we're ex- why we are sexual is to make God more deeply knowable. The language and imagery of sexuality are the most graphic and most powerful that the Bible uses to describe the relationship with God, between God and his people, both positively when we're faithful and negatively when we're not. Those words blew my heart and mind because they told me that that one of the reasons, perhaps the primary reason why God has given me a sexuality, has given me sexual feelings, one of the reasons why God has given you a sexuality, has given you sexual feelings is to help you appreciate how passionately in love with you he is. And so when I feel the passion of sexual feelings, when I'm blown away with love for another human being, when I'm finding myself preoccupied by someone else, that is God just giving me a small little insight into how much he is blown away by me. How passionately, deeply he loves me. How he can't get me out of his mind. And suddenly these feelings that I wanted God to take away, suddenly these feelings that that brought nothing but shame into my life, suddenly these feelings that I wanted God to take away right now were feelings that I realised God had given me to help me appreciate the full passion, the full power of his love for me. And the full pain I bring God on the many times I've walked away from him. And I stopped being bitter towards God and I started to be be amazed that he had given me these feelings that would help me grasp that. That would help me feel that in mind-blowing and in heart-changing ways. Now, this idea that our sexual feelings are there to connect us to God, are there to help us feel God's love for us, I, I guess are probably quite new to a lot of us in this, in this building tonight. So it's so a go away this evening and read Ezekiel 16 and see and feel God compare his love for his people with the love of a man for a woman.
If you've got a little bit more time, sit down and read Song of Songs. At one level, all about the sexual love between a husband and wife, a man and a woman, but at another level, read throughout human history as being about the love of God for his people and the passionate sexual nature of that love. If you're really finding it hard to get to sleep at this point, read Hosea and see God talk about his love for his Old Testament people in marital terms and see him communicate the pain we cause him when we walk away from him as being like a husband or wife whose partner has walked away with someone else. God has given us sexual feelings. God has given us the language of sexuality to communicate, this is how much I love you. This is how powerfully I love you. This is how deeply I love you. And so in those moments when I'm overwhelmed by the power and the depth and the enormity of of, of sexual feelings and sexual attraction, I I can descend into into guilt and into bitterness and to shame that God's not allowing me to express that in a sexual relationship with another man. Or I can think to myself, I can think to myself this this feeling, this, this feeling I've got for this other man, this preoccupation with his beauty, this desire to be united to him, is just a small little foretaste, a small little expression of the love that God feels for me in Christ. Unusually, or perhaps stereotypically for a gay man, I quite like cheesy love songs. I love Andy Williams' song, I Can't Take My Eyes Off You. I mean, it's cheesy, isn't it? But it's very powerfully cheesy. I love to press play on that song on my Spotify playlist. And I love to lean back with my earphones on and close my eyes and hear God singing that song to me. Because scripture tells us again and again and again that our God cannot take his eyes off of us, his church, off you. He loves you. And he's given you the gift of sexuality to connect with the far greater, deeper, more passionate feelings that he has had for you since before the beginning of the world. And through to the end of the world and beyond. Why do you have a sexuality? What's its purpose? Well, to help you feel, to help you know the full passion of God's love for you in Christ. And I reckon that 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 is enough to excite us tonight, really. I reckon that's enough to change our attitudes to our sexualities, to move beyond them being areas of bitterness and guilt and failure to areas of joy and rejoicing and thanksgiving. But that's not all the Bible says. That's not the only reason God's given you and me the wonderful gift of a purposeful sexuality. Yes, he's given it to you, to me, to help us appreciate God, to help us grasp God's love for us in Christ. 
But he's also given you this gift. He's also in particular given us the gift of marriage, of a union in difference in creation, to trail where this world is heading. To help us to get the whole purpose of the universe and what we are hurtling towards. And the good news is that this world is heading with ever-increasing speed towards a wedding, towards a marriage, a union difference between a bridegroom and a bride. Now, some of us like a wedding. We're quite encouraged by that news. Others of us have been to hundreds of them, and this thought is quite depressing. But I want us to think for a moment of of the last wedding we went to between a man and a woman in a church. And I want us to understand it in biblical terms. And I want us to see and feel the significance of it and the joy of it for all of us. And it turns out we're in a church, which is quite helpful because this is providing us, as it were, with the sort of stage, the stage is set. Imagine this church being used as a wedding, for a wedding, for a marriage. Who is going to be standing roughly about here? Well, a groom. What is he going to be doing? Well, he's going to be standing here at the end of the aisle. What is he doing standing here at the end of the aisle? Well, he is waiting for his bride to appear. He's willing her to arrive. And he's very patient, isn't he? He doesn't mind if she turns up 10, 20, 30, record in my church, 45 minutes late, because he loves her. And he cannot wait to see her. He cannot wait for that moment when she walks down the aisle and he looks her in the eye and they make a commitment to live together forever and they enter a union in difference that is permanent, faithful and stable and blissful for well, it's as long as they're, they're alive. The Bible is telling us that this dynamic is the dynamic of human history. Jesus is the bridegroom. He is standing here and he is waiting for his church, the bride, to walk down the aisle and get married to him forever. And he is looking down the aisle of history to his church, his people, towards you and me and he is willing us on and he is longing for the day when we will look into his eyes and we will begin a permanent, faithful, stable, blissful union and difference with him for the rest of our lives. That is, that is where history is heading. Look, look at Revelation 19. Look at Revelation 21. Look at Revelation 22 and see that the whole of human history is heading to that point. Who, you know, when, so when the vicar says, who's going to take this bride to be married to this bridegroom? And the bridegroom, Jesus, will stand forward and say, this is the moment I've been longing for since before the creation of the world. I've died 
for this woman. I spent my life longing to be united to her, my bride, for all of eternity. And they will walk off, we will walk off, into the sunset. At the end of the only love story that will end, and they all lived happily, happily ever after, because there will be no death that ever separates Jesus, the bridegroom, from his church, the bride. That is where this world is heading, to a marriage, to a wedding day. Every wedding that you have been to, that has been a Christian wedding between a man and a woman, has at one level been about the love of that man for that woman. But really what's been happening is that you've been part of a dress rehearsal. When I preach at weddings, I preach on Revelation 19 and 21, and I tell everybody there that it's just a dress rehearsal. There's usually, at some point, a gasp from the mother and dad, the bride, sitting down there because they're thinking, is this not the real thing? Are we going to have to pay for it again? Those who've travelled furthest in the country are thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to stay in a travel lodge for another night. There's a whole range of experiences, but I'm wanting people to grasp, I'm wanting us to grasp today that the wedding of a man and a woman is a gift of God in creation to help us to look forward to the new creation and to help us see where this world is heading. Union difference between God's son Jesus and God's people, the church. That's why I love going to weddings. That's why I increasingly love going to weddings. Let's be honest, I used to sit there at the back bitter and upset and cross with God because I'd be thinking to myself here we go again another wedding in which I see two friends of mine get together for life and have great sex on the honeymoon and disappear off and leave me alone I was all positive mood on wedding days but I just didn't like them because they seemed to say this is something you'll never have and boy, was it painful when the guy might have been somebody I'd fallen in love with and he was walking off with someone else. And I sat at the back and I felt bitter, cross, excluded on the outside. But when I read my Bible, when I read those couple of sentences from John Piper and I realised that actually all the weddings I'd been to were just adverts for the real thing, dress rehearsals for the real thing, the real thing that I was going to be part of, the real thing that was going to last forever, the real thing that was going to be more permanent and more blissful and more ecstatic than any sex in the here and now, I stopped feeling bitter. I go to weddings and I think this is, this is going to be a nice dress rehearsal. What I'm taking part of in, is just the trailer. It's not the real thing. Think yourself into a cinema at the moment. You're sitting down. The lights have gone off. There's been about you know, half an hour of adverts. You finally get to the Pearl and Dean music and you know that there are going to be some traders coming out. What are they all doing? They're advertising a film. 
They're advertising a film that the maker of the trailer wants you to, to sign up for, as it were, to put in your diary, to go along to. That is what, that is what heterosexual marriage is in the here and now. It's a trailer. It's a little advert for where this world is heading. Why do, why do Hollywood directors put sex in their trailers? Well, to make you want to go through the film. It's quite successful, isn't it? I tend to go to films when there's a bit of sex in a trailer. God is appealing to, the director is appealing to part of me. Why has God put sex in, in marriage? Well, because he wants people to watch the trailer, but most of all, he wants people to be part of the real film, the real thing. Marriage in the here and now between a man and a woman is just the trailer. Sex between man and a woman in the, in the, in the here and now is just the trailer. All God's people from all God, all times and all places and all sexualities will be part of the real thing. And when you've seen the film, the full film, who walks out saying, oh, I wish I'd seen the trailer? Oh, I'm really kicking myself that I didn't see the trailer for that film. I mean, unless it's a really bad film and people want to be warned. But if it's a really good film, nobody's saying, I wish I saw the trailer. I can't believe it was so unfair that I never got to see the trailer. Marriage in the here and now is just a trailer. None of us who never have sex in the here and now, who never enjoy marriage in the here and now, none of us will be spending eternity kicking ourselves that we didn't experience the trailer. Because then we would be experiencing the real thing. The only film, the only romance that ends and they all lived happily ever after. And the only romance that doesn't lead anybody out who wants to be part of that beautiful, beautiful story. God hasn't given you a sexuality to muck up your life. God does not want your sexuality to produce nothing but bitterness and anger and shame. God has given you a sexuality so that you might appreciate at a deep, powerful level how passionately in love with you he is and where he's taking you to a marriage to his son Jesus forever. One in which each day will be better than the day before. One in which you will enjoy the most beautiful and intimate relationship with Father, Son and Holy Spirit forever. That's why I'm so grateful to God that he has given me the gift. He has given you the gift of a purposeful sexuality. Let me pray. Father God, sexuality is an area of our lives that that some of us have become so used to seeing as an area of pain and doubt and guilt and shame. Please forgive and please by your spirit help us to see 
the gift of sexuality in each of our lives as a good gift that you have given us to help us feel the full passion of your love for us in Christ and to help us grasp where this world is heading to the great wedding day when we, your people, get married to your son Jesus forever. Thank you that our, that our sexualities wire us to want your son Jesus and to feel your love for us in him. We praise you for that. In his name. Amen.